Please rise. O Lord, open my lips. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Please be seated. The reading for today is Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. They tell you it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So far the text. Well, I have to tell you that when I first read this story in Luke, I was not particularly happy with it. <laughs> One reason is because it's not an easy read. The story does not follow this smoothly developing narrative path. Another reason is that a lot of it is dark and foreboding. Jesus asserts some hard truth, truths. Sometimes I want elaboration, I don't get it. At other points, events were inconclusive and I wanted some closure. So it was not easy for me to cozy up to this text. But assuming that this story is also God's word to me, how do I begin to close the gap, the distance between me and this text? 
Well, one thing I noticed when I read it is that it is made up of what I'm going to call threads that I can connect myself back into the story and also loose ends that I found myself hanging from. And that's as good a way as any to describe how I began to understand my own life in the light of this text. First, by threads, I mean that there are aspects of this text that have connection with other parts of Scripture. If I follow a thread, I can see how parts of this text connect to the larger picture of God's kingdom. And I can thread myself into that picture for reasons that will probably become obvious in a few minutes. For example, in verse 1, Jesus assigns 72 people to go ahead of him and proclaim that the kingdom of God was near. Why that number? Well, some suggest it's because you can tie it back in to the table of nations in Genesis 10 and to what was at that time thought by, uh, in Jewish thought, to be the number of nations in the world. If that's the thread, then maybe Jesus is telling us that his kingdom goes beyond the narrow Jewish boundaries and extends throughout all the world. He is indicating that the fulfillment of prophecy has begun and God's blessings to the nations promised already in Abraham is at hand. And this thread ties me in because I'm one of those fortunate Gentile recipients of the kingdom work begun by the 72 people in this text. Or to put it another way, I'm part of the fruit of the harvest that Jesus talks about in verse two. Here's another thread. As in other Old Testament texts, the metaphor of the harvest is used to picture God's saving mission. And the metaphor, think of God's mission as a harvest, still guides the church's thinking today. But now I see my place in God's kingdom more in terms of the laborer than the field. I'm threaded into the text from both ends. Here's another thread. The metaphor that God's people are lambs and his enemies are wolves is a common way that Israel's prophets and Jesus himself describe life in God's kingdom. In Isaiah, the servant of Yahweh is like a lamb led to the slaughter. Jesus uses the metaphor here and it guides the way that I think about my identity what living in God's kingdom in this present age will be like and what my relationship with Jesus means. The images of both harvest and lambs among wolves occur again and again in Christian hymns and prayer and art as a way of thinking about our place in this world and the nature of God's kingdom. And so again, these threads tie me into the text and help me understand who I am and what the nature of my life is but the text also has some loose ends. By loose ends, I mean that there are things in the text that are left hanging and that I still find myself hanging from as well. In other words, there are things in the text that await resolution, things that raise questions yet to be answered, all these loose ends that need to be tied up. For example, Jesus' command to his missionaries, heal the sick and proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near to you is of course a thread that connects to Israel's hope for Yahweh's ultimate salvation. But it is also a loose end because it puts me in this tension between what I can now see and what I cannot yet see. In other words, 
I know that Jesus' reign is here and that there are certain visible and tangible aspects to it, even today. And yet it still seems much more invisible than visible. The seeming absence of God is a real problem today. Jesus talks about the coming of that day when all of his enemies will be called to account. I'm still waiting for Jesus to come again so that that loose end can be tied up and the tension that I now experience between what is visible and what is invisible will be resolved. It's the same kind of loose end that I dangle from when Jesus speaks to the missionaries after they return from their travels. They rejoice that even the demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. And Jesus responds, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then he adds, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. In the text, Satan's defeat and the power that Jesus' missionaries are given by Jesus strikes me as a very tangible and present reality in their lives. And yet for me, Satan still prowls around like a roaring lion and evil still seems to hold sway. This band of missionaries got this beautiful foretaste of the future, but here I am, still hanging by the implications of these words, waiting to experience them fully myself. That tension between what is reality now and what will be is a felt experience for those of us who live in the kingdom of God in this present age. So I live with threads and loose ends. The life of faith entangles me in threads and loose ends. In the present age, God's kingdom is characterized by threads and loose ends. Now when you think about it, it is baptism really that threads me in and hangs me. Think about baptism as threads and loose ends. In my baptism, remember, as Paul says, I was baptized into Christ's death. I was buried with him by baptism. What a blessed thread. Paul says that as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. As he goes on to say, that makes me a child of Abraham and an heir of Israel's promised salvation. I've been threaded in to Israel's story by way of Jesus, the Father's beloved Son. And Paul also says, if we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we shall also be united with him in a resurrection like his. What an awesome thread and loose end to hang from. As Jesus rose, we will rise. Death has its resolution, but it is not the grave. It is life eternal for which we wait. Look at where Jesus leaves his missionaries in the last verse of this text. Do not rejoice, he says, that you have power over the spirits, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He might, have well been, might as well have been saying those words to you because that's exactly what he tells you in your baptism. Don't worry about any power that you may have or not have. Don't worry about any power that you may see or don't see because God in his son Jesus reigns and rules all things. But rejoice that he has chosen you as his child. I love that the last 
word in this text is Jesus' invitation to rejoice. Yes, now we hang between these tensions in God's kingdom that we can't escape. We hang between the now, not yet, the seen, unseen, the power displayed in weakness dichotomies. We long to see more. We suffer in our waiting. And yet do not doubt that you've been threaded in a marvelous way into the kingdom of God. You hang from the amazing promise that God has given you in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Amen. Now may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds together in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for the singing of the next hymn.
We pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray for governmental leaders and the nations of the world. O merciful Father in heaven, from you comes all rule and authority over the nations of the world for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do well. Graciously regard your servant, President Barack Obama. Grant that he who has received the sword as your servant may bear it according to your command. Enlighten and defend him and grant him wisdom and understanding that under his peaceable governance, your people may be guarded and directed in righteousness, quietness, and unity. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, send down upon those who hold office in this state the spirit of wisdom, charity, and justice, that with steadfast purpose they may faithfully serve in their offices to promote the well-being of all those they serve. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, ruler of the nations, guide, we implore you, the nations of the world into the way of justice and truth, and establish among them that peace which is the fruit of righteousness. Grant unity and peace among the peoples of all nations and rule the governments of those nations, that they may serve the public good. Strengthen the church in those lands, that Christ may be glorified. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We say a special prayer today for Roger Drennan's father, who is undergoing surgery. Lord, I ask that you would bless the surgeon's hands, grant them wisdom and skill. Uh, please, if it be your will, bring Roger's father to healing. Be with all the family and especially Roger's father. Send your Holy Spirit and comfort them with the knowledge, the gospel of salvation, their forgiveness, and your unending love for them. We pray this in your name. Amen. We continue with the concluding prayer. O Lord, our heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by your governance may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen.